James, hello. Hello, Jackson. James, I feel like we've done this before. Yeah, maybe one or two times. Uh, when, you know, interesting question, you know, for those of you guys who've been listening to the show for a while is, what episode do James and I start to outnumber the episodes produced with Zach? Um, I think we still have some, some time to go, but we're starting to get much closer to that reality than we are. It sort of went from feeling like you were brand new to can't remember life without you. Yeah, well, um, I I hope to outnumber Zach's episodes, but, you know, it it might not happen. Yeah, are we going to turn this into like a Patreon begging session? <laughs> I, I'm totally feeling it. Yeah. Guys, if we don't get 100 new subscribers, we're going to delete the entire Dose Hands archive. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. No, but we uh, actually... We have had more subscribers, which has been great. We still, uh, more support is always beneficial. Uh, in fact, necessary. That being said, it's been great to have some fresh blood in the Just Hands membership group. We've had some really awesome conversations going on, uh, more than I can actually keep up with, which is great because I hate when I'm the only one or, or when you know it's a hand here, a hand there, and I'm just responding. I like it a lot better when there's more conversation than I can possibly keep up with. And so kudos to the subscribers for uh, making a really awesome and dynamic uh, membership experience. And then James and I are continuing to put out premium podcasts. So justhands.com slash Patreon is where you can get all this good stuff. Uh, and we really, really appreciate our patrons. Uh, we don't do advertising. We don't like advertising. We like patrons. So the more the merrier. And we look forward to seeing you guys in the Just Hands membership group. <laughs> Anything to add there before we jump into the the, the real show? Uh, enough of that nonsense. Let's let's get on to the hands. All right. So different kind of nonsense, and that nonsense is global poker, um, a, a site that I really I do admire and like um, for their brazen <laughs> approach to sweepstakes law. I think it's really awesome. And so this is a this is a hand from two five on global poker, kind of a big game for online, but I think. From what I've seen of global poker games, it's, uh, or I mean, honestly, I haven't been on in a while, so it's probably very different. But a couple years ago, I was, I've, I've watched a couple hours of those games, and they're very approachable. All right, so let's learn about, let's learn about Hero. Let's learn about the villains. Here's a married middle-aged father of two who's been playing his whole life as a rec. Feels as though he is an elite recreational player, crushing home games, doing well in small stakes. And finished better than 300th out of 6,000 in his one stab at a WSOP event. He studies the game much more seriously than his friends. And he has listened to every episode of Just Hands, which has really helped. Uh, thank you for that. And we're happy to have helped. Uh, but he hasn't really reached the point of using solvers or anything. I, I think that describes actually a lot of listeners of this show, where you're kind of like maxing out passive learning plus playing regularly and thinking about the game regularly. And kind of the next step is how do you how do you get more into the active learning zone? Uh, not something that we'll probably talk about too much on the show today, but uh, a topic that maybe we can address at some other point. So yeah, I think something else I was going to mention is there's it's more of a spectrum I feel of rec to professional players than a binary kind of system. Maybe it help some players to identify as recs or pros, but um, yeah, there's 
there's all kinds. I don't know. It's it's quite a spectrum. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely call like an elite recreational player like a part-time professional. Mm -hmm. And you could call it like a bad pro, like a full-time rec. Uh, there's quite a few of those. All right. <laughs> so here goes on to say, um, he says all this because he is new to 2-5, which he's finding a little intimidating, partly because the play is generally better than at 1-2, but also because he knows he doesn't have the proper bankroll. Hmm. Well, well, we'll just leave that alone for now. Uh, here it goes on, you know, but he's made a few thousand recently at small stakes. He banked a tourney for 2K, and so he's letting a little bit of that ride. Um, so far, so good, but still, in general, he doesn't think he often plays scared, if ever, but he does prefer lower variance at this level and does sometimes wonder if he's actually more profitable playing like that too. I actually think that is a really good insight. Sometimes, sometimes the money mattering is a hindrance and sometimes it can help. Uh, and I think it depends just like on a larger set of factors, but definitely it, it, those factors can include things that vary from person to person. So some people I think are going to play much better within their bankroll. And other people are going to play much better pushing the edge of what their bankroll can accommodate. All right. So the villain in this hand is a reg, like most of the table um, heroes new, but he sees these games or these names often. Like most of them, this villain tends to min-raise pre-flop at a high frequency, and oftentimes another player's 3 to 4x 3-bet will take it down. Now, although some of these pots can get big, 4-bet pre-flop, or 4-bets pre-flop are pretty rare. Hero doesn't know what notes they've made on me by this point, but he or Hero has not been caught out of line at all. In a small sample sign, Hero has been modestly successful and solid. Hmm. Do we have a HUD? Um... We'll find out, I'm guessing, but okay. I think if I remember correctly, HUDs don't work very well with um, Global Poker okay. because it's browser-based. Okay, maybe they're not allowed or something. Yeah, I think there there might not be like, I, I don't think they're making it easy for people to use HUDs. I'm sure there's some people who have HUDs, but uh, it wouldn't be surprising if there's no HUD. Um so here it goes on that in a small sample size, Hero has been modest, or wait, I said that. Uh, so early in the session, Hero made a small three bet with aces, flopped a set, and played them pretty conservatively, but still got most of his stack in against a strange two pair, King Deuce. That may have been noticed, and it may have maybe looked weak or sneaky or both. Over the past few sessions, if there's been a link, it's that Hero has been calling some pretty sizable river bets with bluff catchers with little success. Of course, Hero has also been blown off. Uh, more than a few hands by big bets. Hero might be a little bit paranoid as well, but this combined with Hero's newness might make Hero look like a potential fish. Maybe Hero is, but while uh, while Hero likes some of what he did in the hand, he's interested in how bad the bad parts were. So that's our prelude. Yeah, I mean we'll be we'll be the judge of that. That we will. The max buy-in is five hundred dollars. The villain is the effective stack in this hand with eleven. And Hero has twelve. So villain oh, was so, undergone. One. Sorry, so we're we're a little over two hundred big steep. That we are. Okay. Um, under the gun one makes me think this is also nine handed. Uh, Interesting. I think those games are often softer. So good choice. So villain was under the gun one and made the typical min raise to ten. Folded a hero in the big blind who had queens. It's an interesting spot, I think. Yeah. Um, the more that 
or the tighter the under the gun range, like the less we should three bet this hand. Um, I think I still like three bet, but jacks. Um, I think you could go for a call here at a nine-handed table. Yeah, I think it it has a lot to do with like where is the field at in terms of like how tight is under the gun. And I think if the field plays tight under the gun and proceeds under the gun to be very tight and three bets very tight against under the gun, then I definitely don't mind just like calling with queens in the big blind. Yeah, we um, have the the info that there are a few four bets, which is good when we're three betting queens is kind of the bottom of our value range. Yeah, that's that's an important point. And I also think like a lot of players will not play tight enough under the gun one or fold tight enough relative to like, or it's like they're, they're sort of compounding errors by one playing too loose and then two calling a range that is appropriate based on like the range they're actually playing and not the range that they potentially ought to be playing. So I, I think in general, like being a little bit more value oriented in a three bet spot than you ought to be in this situation is probably a fine adjustment. Um, Hero does three bet makes it $30. So that's three times the open size. What do you think about that sizing? Um, I think since we're deep, I'd like to go a little bit bigger. I I don't mind going to 50 or something. Um, It's a bit hard to not give our opponent odds to call with um, like the the set mining hands, the low pairs. yeah I, yeah, I like going a bit bigger. I think uh, from the big blind, we're going to be pretty polarized here uh, in general. So um, I like going for a larger size. Yeah. The way I think about a spot like this is, you know, how much information am I giving? And sort of like, am I am I charging enough for that information? Maybe that's not the perfect way of thinking about it, but like when we three bet, the just the dynamics of the situation are such that like our opponent now has quite a bit of information about what we have. It's not if we play very well, it's not necessarily information that he'll be able to do a ton with, but it's still a significant amount of information. When we just call, especially when our call, let's say, like starts to include these premiums, then we're giving our opponent much less information. And so it's like, is increasing the size of the pot to 60 when called versus 20 when we call? worth the information that we give up um and i think probably no i think we don't give up more information necessarily or at least we actually might give up less information by making it 50 uh but i think we at least give up or we ought to be giving up about an equivalent amount of information and we're making it a lot more expensive for our opponent to proceed in the hand Uh, and we're also increasing the size of the pot at a much greater rate so i would either call or make it larger i don't love making it 30 and I definitely don't mind just calling as a way of sort of minimizing the information our opponent gains. I I wonder if I think just calling is giving up too much with queens. We really want to increase the size of the pot, in my opinion. Um, and it, yes, it's going to be a bit tough to play out of position, two hundred big blinds deep um, with pocket queens, but. I, I still want to increase the size of the pot with this hand. Yeah. I think in, in some ways, though, I think we actually don't even substantially increase the size of the pot with this three bet. Like we do pre flop, but thinking about like the total amount of money that will go in across three streets, 
we might not be increasing it by that much. Um, because when we, when we three bit, sorry, when we call, we're going to face a C bit very, very frequently in this formation. Um, when we three bit, we're going to face a good amount of flops where like we have a very difficult decision. Um, and when we actually do bet the flop, like we're going to face a lot of folds. So I don't know that like we make a big difference with this size three bet. Um, with 50, then it's like, all right, if we're, if we're getting a lot of flop folds, like we don't mind as much and we're more likely to deny equity pre. Um, but yeah, I think it, it's important to realize like part of why, part of the purpose in like retaining stronger hands in our calling range is because we're likely to face a really high percentage of C bets. And we don't want to, we don't want to stop that. Yeah. So it's like the three bet is 30. If we had called, then the C bet is likely to be around 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. So maybe we find some check raises on like really raggy boards, like eight, three deuce or something. I mean, I think that's like, we can, we can do that, but, or I kind of think like, we just want to, it's sort of a spot where like, we have a lot of incentive to sort of play it coy mm-hmm. and trap because overall it's strong range against much weaker range. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm thinking about how our removal shifts our opponent. They'll have a lot of ace highs here. Um, and uh, yeah, I wonder how aggressively they'll play those hands. If they'll try and play it for showdown sometimes, or if they'll just try and take advantage of their, the large range advantage they'll have against big blind. These are, these are interesting spots. Um, it, it gets down to sort of like the fundamentals of poker. Like, we want to be deceptive. We want to play to our incentives. And on the other hand, like we want to like vibe it. <laughs> and this is a spot where like we have cross signals. And so it's tricky. Uh, here it makes it 30. Villain calls, not surprising. And Villain does right. In retrospect, I think 35 or probably 40 would be better. The bigger three bets, we're getting a lot of folds at this table. And this was a hand I wanted to play. And I wanted to keep his range wide. And I'll just note that like you can keep his range wide by calling and potentially you're going to get your opponent to put a lot more money in the pot as a bluff if you just call. And it's not something that should be overly discounted. So we get pretty sick flop. Uh, Ace of spades, queen of diamonds, seven of hearts. So we flop a set on an ace high board. We do have the queen of spades and the queen of hearts. So do you like C-bet here? Yeah. Um, I mean, we... We unblock ace highs from our, our, yeah, we unblock the ace. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, our opponent will expect us to have a lot of our, I mean, I don't know about a lot, but um, if we have any bluffs in this spot, they will see about this board as well. Um, it's a little hard to put us on some bluffs, but maybe King Jack suited, Jack 10 suited, so what, like a suited Broadway that we decided to three bet, maybe an occasional suited connector. Um, but yeah, if our opponent has an ace, uh, I think we want to start charging that hand right now. Um, it's possible that our opponent flatted ace king here because the, uh, the three bet range should be quite narrow, like big blind versus under the gun. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is the type of spot where it's like, I would just go ahead and size up. And it's a little exploitative. 
and it's kind of transparent, but it's also the type of transparency that like a lot of opponents just can't really do much about. Like they're not the type of player that's just going to like fold ace king. And so we have to we have to realize that there's just not that many hands they're going to call call us that we really want to call us um, other than an ace. Seven x will probably call, and that's great. Um, queen x might call. And that's fine, but we we had a lot of queens, so it's mostly we're just targeting a sex. Now, yeah. hero bits. Sorry, just one more point is we don't really want to give gut shots a good price. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that was the mistake here. Hero bet twenty dollars into sixty two dollars, and I think it's too small. And I understand it's like I you don't want you feel like your range is so strong, which by the way is part of the issue of like three betting against under the gun but you feel like your range is really strong you don't want to like blow your opponent out of the pot so you you go small and i think just going bigger will just serve you much better here i would just make it like 50 dollars, and asex is just not going to fold the flat very much it might even it might start folding the turn that's okay um but the key is that you make your life really simple there's you basically just assure that like the only hand you're going to lose to here is like a slow played aces or set of aces. Yeah, okay, ace king, like if it comes running jack 10, yeah, okay. Or if it comes running broadways, fine. But I think getting the peace of mind of basically getting all broadways to fold that are not a pair, particularly a pair of aces, is worth it. Uh, and the bet of 20 to 62, I think, is for sure giving your opponent the odds to call with these gut shots, especially with like a backdoor flush draw. Um, so I think it's, I think that's the mistake. Yeah. And like we we do we'll have um, some outs if they get there on the turn, which is nice. But yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I want to go larger here to get those hands to fold. Yeah, and I I think the biggest counter argument, the biggest reason to go small is that like we can kind of do the large or the small large thing and potentially get more money from ASX. If we bet fifty and then bet large again on the turn, ASX might start thinking about folding. If we bet small on the flop and then like make like bet pot or larger on like a lot of turns, then maybe we get called on the turn more often by ASX. And maybe the combination of flop and turn is worth it compared to like very often getting our opponent to fold ASX on the turn. Yeah. What about sizing down on the turn? I think that could be kind of interesting. Yeah, I think I, I think we overbetting the turn would be a mistake. Mm-hmm. Oh. Sorry, I just moved my desk. Yeah, so I would, uh, I like like 50 on the flop. We're coming into the turn with like 160. And so I think something like 130 on the turn. Um, and something similar on the river. We're like strong ace X, I think is pretty unlikely to fold turn. Ace king is pretty unlikely to fold river. Um, to me, that feels like the right approach. Yeah. So Hero writes, obviously this could be bigger too, but this was a pretty typical bet at this table. And so it kept my range pretty wide. While instilling confidence in his ASX, even the weak ones in his lower pocket pairs. I think, so there's something I want to say about this. I have said on the show, and I do definitely believe that very often you want to choose sizings which don't trigger too much thought in your opponent. You want to blend in. Um, since if you maybe do something which is more fitted to your hand, which is atypical and triggers thoughts, then your opponent's more likely to kind of figure out what you have and do something correct 
or make a big adjustment that is risky. I don't think this is a spot where you can blend in because you three bet under the gun one from the big blind. So it's too late to like do a typical C bet or this is, this is already very atypical. And I think the cat's out of the bag that like you have a very strong polarized range. And so I think we don't, we don't want to be thinking about like what's the typical thing to do so that we can sort of, I don't know, keep your range wide, like your range isn't wide and we all know this. So I think you just have to go with more like, what is your incentive? What do you like from villain here? Like, I think you could start finding some pretty tight folds here. Um, I mean, maybe not for 20, because you have you might have some two pair outs against ace king if you have a hand like queen jack or something, but really tough to find bluffs on this board. Yeah, it kind of has to be like pre-flop bluffs. Yeah, um, maybe king, queen yeah. becomes kind of a bluff. but Maybe like some sort of suit connector type hands or mm-hmm. like a king eight suited to the world. Hard to know exactly. I mean, there's a lot of hands that could be a bluff. It's it's hard to know how many people are constructing this spot. Yeah. Yeah, I think you could start finding some really tight folds. Yeah. I think the the counter to our strategy of sizing up on the flop is that like ace nine suited just folds. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't happen. No one folds ace X here. And those who do are awesome. <laughs> and it's okay if they wreck you. All right, so we bet 20 face a call. Yeah, the turn is the four of spades. Um, so just a reminder, the flop was ace, queen, seven, rainbow, turns the four of spades. Yeah, the so we have the ace of spades, queen of diamonds, seven of hearts, four of spades. So okay. backdoor flush draw on the board, and we have the queen of spades in our hand. Okay, so it's pretty difficult for our opponent to have a spade draw. Yeah, it, it could be like king jack seven x of spades, spades yeah. or like king jack, king 10, jack 10. Mm-hmm. What do you, how do you feel about checking for spedding in this spot? Um, yeah, I want to keep betting. Um, so we went a little smaller on the flop. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'd like to bet big here. Like I said, we unlock ace x. Um, I'd think about how much money can I get from ace jack, ace 10, ace king. And I'd try to extract that amount of money. So 110 in the pot. Sorry, 102 in the pot. Mm-hmm. What sizing do you like? I don't know. Well, let's let's overbet. Maybe they have ace king. I agree. I think like 120 to like 140 feels mm-hmm. right to me. All right. Well, villain. Or sorry, hero checks, um, which I don't love because I only like it if you're really confident villain is going to bet his ace x. Um, and I don't know. I would just be a little worried, worried that like villain wasn't going to do very much betting at all here. Yeah, I mean those those hands don't really need any protection as well. Like ace jack, ace ten, um, they're very happy facing a check here um, to check back and play the river. Um, yeah, I could see ace king going for a bet sometimes, but it doesn't even have to bet. Like the rangers are already quite polarized. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you have to have a pretty strong read that your opponent is very aggressive, both with value, which is more important. It's more important that they value bet, but also that they bluff. Like if your opponent bluffs, it's nice, but the thing that would really suck is if your opponent had value and checked back. Uh, so here are checks, and Villain does bet $70 into 102 Okay. Um, 
I think this this line can work reasonably well sometimes. Like we we outlined why we didn't like it in this circumstance, but if we have a small C bet size that keeps our opponent's range quite wide and then none of the draws really complete on the turn, um, and our opponent is aggressive, like that is a good spot to check to try to induce. Um, but I don't think it'll work well in this circumstance. Sorry, our opponent bets seventy. Yeah. Two. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I I want to raise. Yeah, I want to raise two, and I I feel like it's pretty clear why we think you should raise. Um, just because I don't I don't trust our opponents to like bet an ace again on the river, other than like ace king, maybe ace jack, and I think that those are just just about as likely to call as they are to bet again. Uh. And I think our, our range starts to look really strong when we have three bet in this formation and then bet the flop and call a bet on the turn. Uh, because we, you can just rule out us having like king deuce, you know, instead of feeling like floated us with jack 10. And now we check and we, maybe we just have some junky king x hand and they can bet and we fold. They'll, they'll bluff. But when we call again now, it's like, all right, worst, best case scenario, like we have like kings. Um, and it just doesn't seem very attractive. It's a bluff spot. So I would take matters into our own hands and raise. Uh, hero does call. So let's let's hear what Hero's thinking here, because maybe we're, we're missing something. Yeah. So Hero writes that, uh, this is what Hero wrote. I think I was trying to represent a weak ace or worse, anywhere from kings to a give up, to embolden his ace and floats and bluffs. I think it's an example of fancy play syndrome, if not just weak play, though. I also didn't really think through my plan for when he bet which is maybe the worst part. Now it felt like a check raise would lose all of his ASX and worse. Uh, pause right there. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's that's a very honest assessment of your own play. I don't think your check raise will lose all of his ASX, but if it will, then I think you were better off just betting. Mm-hmm. I think our opponent still retains a lot of ace-king here, and I think that's a hand that will be willing to put in a lot of money. So um, yeah, I'd be I'd be focusing on value targeting that hand or at least planning to do so on the river. Um, Cause that, you know, that, that can add up to quite a lot of combos. Like, yeah, it's tw- up to 12. Mm-hmm. Here it goes on. Basically, I vaguely remember feeling like I had one on the hook somehow. Either he had taken the bait with my weak line and was bluffing or he actually had ace or better, which was great for me too. But a check raise would probably cause all the hands to full except maybe sevens. A few comments of two pair, which will certainly bet call on the river. And I'm I'm not sure exactly how you would come to that feeling, but if that is the case, then the play can make more sense. Hero felt like he wrote that I feel like this is my worst play in the hand, but also the most perplexing to me. I think a bigger bet would have had the same negative effects of a check raise. A small bet could encourage what would be in bold and value bets in bluffs and actually raising, but also risks just getting called, which would be a majority of the time. And that would put less money in the pot than his bet. To me, this is like, if that's true, that a big bet here just gets way too many folds, then we absolutely 100% cannot be three betting queens. And to me, that's that's very uncontroversial. Either we can get significant value on a board like this from ASX, or our range is just perceived to be way too tight, and therefore we're much better off slow playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, here it goes on. I guess in short, I feel like my hand should be trying to get more money in the pot. I don't really see what he could have could have that's going to make him really want to cooperate. And I think the the number one answer is ace king, then also ace jack, ace ten. 
So you got to be a little bit more optimistic in these spots, is my feeling. Yeah, and you can do some combo combo counting and um, like estimations on your own about how many suited aces your opponent has versus ace king and ace jack. But I think because we can get like I think ace king will call a lot of money here because it can be chopping sometimes and i think that yeah so that's that's reason enough that we want to get a lot of money from that particular hand and that'll make up for folding out the lower suited aces yeah i agree so the river is the 10 of spades it's not the ideal river but still we've, we've already established that like king jack i mean king jack gets there if it plays this way and king jack of spades uh and like seven x of spades get there so there's a few hands now that beat us, but we're still ahead most of the time. So after check calling, do you like check again? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm trying to trying to think. Um, we could we could lead um, if we're afraid, like Ace Jack or some suited Ace um, might slow down here on this river. Might have might have been trying to buy a cheap showdown. So I don't could, I don't hate lead. What do you think about lead like very small? Yeah, to the just hands F you. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um maybe like forty or something, fifty. Yeah. What's a little dangerous about the FU bet in this spot is that it's much better when we can three bet the FU bet. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's a little risky to three bet here. Um we can be there's there's enough combinations that beat us that like we might <laughs> we might just like light a lot of money on fire like against the calling range. So I definitely prefer check raise avow. Mm-hmm. I don't think check raise fold is like absolutely out of the question for what it's worth. Yeah, we uh, we have the queen of spades. Queen of spades matters, yeah. but still, it's like we have to ask ourselves: like, are there any? Are there going to be some river three bet bluffs? Yeah, are they going to take king of spades queen? Because I don't think sevens yeah. is like, or I don't think ace queen or sevens typically is going to like three bet for value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be a really good fold, but I think that is what I would do. I think I, I'm not sure if I would fold or not. I'd have to think about that more. Um, but I, regardless, I don't feel like. The way you play against the three bet is going to be that it's it's important, but it's it's ambiguous enough that I just think the benefits of check raising are still like enough. So mm-hmm. I, I like the check hero checks and then villain bets 180. So at this point we have like the effective stack is like a thousand. Yeah, um, we could go to 450 or something. I don't I don't really like jam because I think Ace King will fold. Um, maybe we get called by ace queen, which is in um, three combos. Um, but yeah, there's also there is some king jack out there. There is some um, there are some flushes out there. Yeah, and aces are mm-hmm. set of aces. Mm-hmm. So let's think about like the kind of combos in play. There's let's say that there's three sets of sevens most of the time, which almost always will call and lose. There yeah. are. Those those three. could raise flop, but yeah. Yeah, I think of it. There are up to three ace queens. Um, there are up to 12 ace kings, up to 12 ace jacks, and up to nine ace tens, which now can't call. 
So our universe of like potential calls is something like six very likely calls and then like 20, like about 30 possible calls. Mm -hmm. And then our universe of like hands that beat us are like three aces, four, up to four king jacks, and then like maybe uh, two or three seven x of spades. So like 10 hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I like make it like 450 and fold to the three bet. I think that's that's what I would do. Yeah. Damn, does that suck when you get three bet in this spot? But oh well. Should uh should have bet bigger on the flop. Yeah. All right. Uh, hero hero just called. So hero wrote that he felt like he was still trapped in the same situation or better a check raise seems to get all hands to fold except a flush or straight with a possible accession of sevens. Ace to ten might call a bet but not a check raise, uh, and being raised here would be a bit brutal. With that said, this card seems pretty unfortunate and kind of kills my vague hopes. I feel like I was semi-consciously planning to check raise the river with the vast majority of cards, but this one was tough. And yeah, this one does, this is sort of a shitty card. Uh, it's just about as bad as it can get in all likelihood. Ace is a little, I don't know, Ace is probably pretty good. Upon reflection, this card wasn't as concerning for me as it first seemed. With my Queen of Space blocker, he had very few flushes, and King Jack seems pretty unlikely. I don't know why I necessarily feel like it seems that unlikely, but yeah, there's not a huge amount of combos. But the card still sucks. Because without the benefit of my queen space blocker, the villain has to be worried about more flushes on my side, making a check raise much less likely to make money. And regardless, even if he doesn't have a lot of flushes, it'd be pretty gross if he raised a three bit. Villain showed ace of hearts, four of hearts for turned two pair. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like we've said what we what we want to say here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hero goes on to, to say his holding kind of validated my or all my hopes, fears, likes, and dislikes. I feel like a set versus aces up should get stacks in. There was a path to a lot of money and I didn't take it. I got really lucky about the river. On the other hand, there were a few paths to much less money. I want to say that like, I actually don't think there was, this is not a situation that presents a path to a lot of money going in. You're out of position. You're very deep. You're facing a, a raise to two big blinds from like a relatively tight range. Um, your head's up. So I don't, this is not a spot where like I would say that your failure to get stacks in or like there not being like a large universe of lines that result in all the money going in. That's not necessarily a problem. I think that's just a, a feature of the scenario. This isn't two five live, you know, mm -hmm. there's just an enormous difference between like being heads up as the big blind in a two big blind raised pot versus like a typical two five game. You're going to see like four big blinds plus as the open and you'll probably see some limbs and the range will probably be wider that's open. Yeah. Yep. Um, Hero goes on to say not to get results oriented, but I think his holding was pretty typical of his range. And too much aggression would have scared him off pre-flop on the flop if he hadn't doinked a four on the turn. However, just a basic standard line of 35, 40 pre, half on the flop, big turn bet would have probably come close to stacking him. Uh, I don't think you're quite right on that, but I think we could have got more value. Hero goes on to say, I think the villain played fine until the river. I don't really like his river bet. I'm going to call with literally aces up and better and fold everything worse than ace four except maybe ace king. And that would be really close. My takeaway is call preflop. I I don't know. I just want to bet bigger on the flop. I think with with the way Hero's perceiving ranges and perceiving villain's behavior, um, or let me put it like this. I think Hero, you're either a little bit wrong in your perception of like how tight you should be playing and how tight your opponent should be playing. Or you should just call preflop, mm -hmm. and maybe both. 
Yeah, I mean, if if someone is playing as tightly as um, Kira's perceiving, then I want to be bluffing a lot more because they're they're falling pretty far short of like a minimum defense frequency. So um, I'd I'd try to start thinking about how I could work in some bluffs into these spots. Yeah, I think my feeling is that most players are like playing too wide here, which is why we should be a little bit value heavy. But yeah, if the the commentary on the hand makes it seem like villain is expected to play rather tight, in which case I want to be very bluff heavy. Yeah. And that's poker in a nutshell. All right, to close it out, Hero writes, fun fact, uh, I won a 71-player attorney for $600 on the other screen while I was typing this up. Nice work. Uh, also, I am editing this a day later, and while this was good therapy, there's a pretty good way to play this that it is now obvious. Just bet flop, bet turn, get raised, get some money in there. However, I do have a hypothetical question now. If I bet flop as I did, but bet turn pretty big and he raises, which he probably would have, is that a place through bet shove? If I just call, what do I do? What should I do on most rivers? It's a good question. Yeah. I don't mind just calling on the on the turn, and I also don't mind. Uh, I, I actually think I prefer just calling. It's just a very polarized raise. It's not to mm-hmm. say that like you. I, I think you just want to like call to like protect your range, and by protect your range, I mean induce bluffs and induce uh, keep your opponent's value range confident. I think your range is just rather pulled and strong, such that like you are. Somewhat likely to drive your opponent off of like two pair, I think by three betting. How do you feel about that, James? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would say it's possible that two pair folds to the three bet, and um, they'll put in I think more more money on the river if we just flat there. Yeah, I just don't think that the player who calls a three bet doesn't also barrel very often. Yeah. Here it goes on, and I just won a three hundred hundred thirty two player tourney for another six hundred. Back to back. I'm not bragging, but it's wild. My family doesn't care at all, and I have to tell somebody. Well, you just told the whole Just Hands community, so everyone, quick round of applause. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, and this gives us a chance to say that this is basically the only podcast that Hero listens to, and even if sometimes he plays a set of queens miserably on the turn, it's helped him tremendously, and everyone should be a Patreon subscriber. Hooray. <laughs> uh, totally agree there. This is, I believe, uh, I'm quite confident, from a Patreon subscriber, and so maybe we can have a nice conversation about the hand in slack uh later on all right james thank you as always for joining us uh joining me audience thank you for tuning in and we'll talk to you next time